Hey everybody, this is B on Dot Paul Podcast. Stuff about stuff. So let's talk about stagecraft today. Um, I had someone DM me, uh, direct message me over on X, and they said, "Hey B, we I, I heard you talk about this and that, and you made reference to this and that." Uh, what's that all about? So here we go. Stagecraft. <laughs> this is what stagecraft is all about and what I was talking about. Um, so stagecraft refers to uh, the technical and creative elements involved in the production and presentation of theatrical or live performances, a uh, wide range of skills, techniques, disciplines uh, for creating uh productions um stagecraft uh, includes set design lighting sound costume makeup props special effects among others um and i wanted to talk about each one of these i know something about some of these let me set the stage (laughs) no pun intended uh for you uh, before I was a world famous uh, IT engineer, uh, tongue in cheek, um, I was in the production business, um, not producing oil wells like my family, but um, producing shows, being involved in shows. So I think I mentioned back on Southern Rock or maybe Progressive Rock, I, I forget. Um, I worked for the Mississippi Recording Company when I was a boy, a young man, well, not a boy, a young man, and I was, I didn't know it at the time, but I was a roadie. (laughs) Um, So these were studio musicians, um, and between them, they had many bands. Uh, One of the bigger bands was a jazz band, and then they had another band that was uh, kind of a big band, if you will, um, Glenn Miller type. So um, we had a truck uh, and a trailer, uh, or sometimes we took both, and we would take the gear, um, typically a sound system, a small lighting system, um, and uh, the drum kit and the microphones, the mixing board, everything, um, by the time we had the truck unloaded and we had the drums on stage, uh, the drum tech would show up and set the drums up, and then a sound engineer would show up and wire everything. Uh, sometimes there was an electrician involved, depending uh, how big the venue was. Uh, sometimes they could play, uh, especially the big band uh, group, because you know they had horns, trumpets, you name it, um, saxophones, and they were pretty loud without amplification. And a lot of times they played in auditoriums that uh, a proscenium stage that was um, set up for this. Um, and then uh, we would do our thing, and we obviously put all the road cases. Uh, things come in road cases because they have to be protected in transit, or just when they're being, uh, you know, in storage. Just a lot of these items you just don't put in the closet. 
Um, they need to be stored. They need to pr- be protected. Uh, one, because some of them are fragile, and two, they're quite expensive. Um, so I did that for a while. Um, they had another band. It was an acoustic kind of a folk, folky band. Um, and they had a small lighting system. Sometimes somebody in the band would show up, whoever the band uh, leader was, and um, they would show up and um, and set, help set up the sound and do an initial sound check. Um, you know, if they were the guitar player, they would do their stuff. And then, you know, people would trickle in. You know, these are studio musicians who, you know, had jobs and then who, um, you know, regular jobs, like non-musician jobs. Um, And uh, they would um, then show up for the gig and tune their stuff and have a sound check. And they would do the gig uh, show. And um, then later, everybody's gone. We would show up and we would pack everything back into the truck, back into the trailer, and then we would drive back to uh, Mississippi Recording Company, and uh, some of the things went back into the studio because maybe they had a session the next day, uh, and then some of the things went into uh, a secured storage area. Um, I was in high school... Um, this all of this kind of coincided, uh, kind of all came together um, for me when I was, let's see, it's probably the 10th and the 11th grade. Um, I remember going in, I used to take speech, it was called Speech and Drama at that time. And, you know, we learned how to do things, you know, we had acting class, we had singing class, you know, all these things. And I was just, I was going to drop the class. Not that you can in high school, but I was just going to stop going. One, it was a first, it was first period. And, uh, I, at that time I was not, uh, a first period person. Um, one day I showed up, um, and um, I walked to my desk, and the desk in front of me, there's a microphone on that desk, and the cable called up. And then on my desk was a Fresnel. Uh, the person behind me, there was makeup, and then um, behind them, there was, I don't know, I think a suit and tie, a tuxedo uh, hanging off the back, uh, something. Um, and... Um, the other desks had binders on them, uh, director, producer, uh, that type of thing. Little did I know was that Fresnel I would get to know very well, and I would spend t- almost 20 years in theatrical lighting, and I made a living at that. So we did a bunch of plays as high school students. The one where I was the primary lighting designer, um, a roadie, um, was MASH. So we did a production of MASH um, on stage live, um, about three or four acts, I believe. Um, I lit that. There's daytime scenes, nighttime scenes, you know, uh, outside the tents, inside the tents. Uh, it was fascinating. I loved it. 
Um, you know, for nails aren't that complicated. You know, they use a for nail lens, uh, and they have barn doors on them for shaping the light. Uh, lipsoidal spots were available, uh, for spotlighting. Obviously, spotlights or park hands. Um, <clears throat> special effects. The only special effect we had was a dry ice. We had a dry ice, uh, machine that we rented. Basically, a 55-gallon drum uh, with um, uh, washing machine heaters in it. We'd fill it up with uh, with water and heat the water and then drop dry ice in it, and it would create fog for this kind of morning scene that we were doing. So uh, I loved it. Um, shortly after that, I started kind of working at the Coliseum. Just, I don't remember how this happened. It was a long, long time ago now. I I think I just showed up like I used to do. I just used to show up for things and say, hey, you need somebody to do. And I showed up and I started literally sweeping stages long after the gig. Um, and I was young, young. Um and I would sweep and clean up. I was a maintenance man, basically. But I call myself a stagehand. <laughs> um, and I did that for a little bit. Then I got a break to stop doing that and go somewhere else and actually do theatrical lighting. Now, during this, I had bought some gear, used gear, um, not that hard to find. And I was lighting uh, local bands in town. So I had some park hands and some lip little spot. I think I had a follow spot. And I had a small uh, little dimmer system and uh, a, um, a console to dim the lights up and down and change. It was uh, two scenes, and I could go back and forth. I could go hot, cold, somewhere in between. Um, so I did that for a while. I think I got paid in beer. Uh, if I got paid anything at all. Uh, but it was a wonderful learning experience. Uh, that turned into some regional touring with some pretty good bands. Uh, some of these bands were friends of mine. Um, and I would go on to, I thought we did great things. Always, You always have that in the back of your mind that the band you're with is going to hit. And of course, you think they're the greatest, there are a lot of great musicians out there, just like there are a lot of great football players, tennis players. A very small percentage make it to the pros. Um, I was lucky enough. I got picked up on waivers, if you you would. I, someone asked if anybody was willing to travel. Uh, a road manager asked this uh, one afternoon. Well, actually, it was one night. And I said, yeah, sure. Where are we going? Memphis, Tennessee. Said okay, and I got on a tour bus. Uh, now these are like Greyhound buses that are um, obviously gutted and then uh, customized inside. Uh, they have a bathroom. Uh, the crew buses typically have the living salon in front, which is uh, two couches that face each other that do fold out that uh, two people could sleep on. Um, and then the back was t- typically the crew buses all the way to the back was bunk beds. Um, 
depending on the model of the bus, they could get three high or two high uh, bunk beds. Um, and, you know, this is where the crew slept and the group ate and hung out. Um, when the band was playing after about the 57th time of hearing the same song, you were out in the, out in the bus catching some Z's or watching TV or Richard Pryor on the video. Uh, <laughs> um, so I did that for a long time with many different bands, uh, Doobie Brothers, ZZ Top, Mother's Finest, Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton, uh, Bonnie Raitt. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, Wet Willie, um, since I was in the South. Um, and a lot of these I did in the Southern region. So from Texas to Florida, Florida up through the Tennessees and North Carolina, I would do that region. Um, Every once in a while, I would go further north, and that was okay. You know, I saw some places, um, but I I did a lot of bands. Um, some of them I don't remember, and some of the bands are bands from my hometown or one of my hometowns. Um, I have a couple, and um, you know, I uh, it, it was great. Um, you know, uh, when Bradford St. Holmes, uh, left, uh, Aerosmith, I was living in, um, in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, working for a lighting company. <laughs> Imagine that. And, uh, heard he was going to be in town. I was down at the Poets. It's called Poets. It was a restaurant bar. And, uh, oh, they're going to need a ride from their hotel to, to the gig because they were playing poets and uh, Bradford with Holmes and um, the guy, uh, Brad and um, the guy from Ted Nugent, um, the guitar player, singer from Ted Nugent, they formed a band. Um, you know, I think they did one album and then, you know, everybody came back together on their respective sides. I raised my hands. I have a van and I did. I had a van, had a Dodge Tradesman 200 um, I had taken everything out because it had the um, the little fridge and the uh, kitchenette and all of that and a bunch of seats. I took all that stuff out to move gear with. And, yeah, so I showed up at where Holiday Inn, downtown Memphis, and they got in the, uh, the van. And, you know, I had a couple of beanbag chairs back there, and I turned around, and there's Brad Whitford sitting in my van. But how y'all doing? You know, we're doing good. Let's rock. And then I drove them uh, to Poets and um, obviously got in free to see the show. Uh, I told their road crew, I go, anything y'all need, I'll help you get. And I think they needed some gel for their lighting. And there was a music store uh, down on Main or Popular Avenue, and they had they had gel, so I went down there and got it. I had a Roscoe swatch, actually. This is how, well, you know, I was a lighting guy. So I pulled out the swatch, and they pointed out some colors, and I went down there, so you have these colors. No, but we have the next one over. So I got um, 
the next one over and the next one, next one up and next one down. So when I presented those ago, they didn't have 52, but they had it. They had 53 and 51 and, you know, uh, so as close as I could get and they, you know, they would pick one and uh, they reimbursed me with cash. You know, how much was it? Uh, You know, a sheet of gel back then was maybe two bucks, you know, even the ones I they didn't use, they rolled it up and put it in their tube to to use later, because uh, that's what you do. Um, you know, gave me a ten dollar bill or whatever. I'll, I'll go get you some change. Oh no, no kid. You know, so you know, I went to the bar. I heard the band play. Uh, had a laminate the past the whole nine yards. So that was a lot of fun. Really good memory for me. Um, you know, I I did that for a long time, and then um. I uh I thought to myself, you know, I'm I'm making another company rich with my blood, sweat and tears. And there was a lot of blood and a lot of sweat, uh sometimes tears. Um and so I opened my own um lighting design firm, rental company, and I did that for about 7 years and um I took some chances and they didn't work out. Um and I sold the company and I made a little money. At that time, I had started studying computers and all of that. And see, that was probably my late 30s then. And I was in my late 30s, but I had a body of somebody in their 70s. It's a young man's game. It is very physically demanding to tour. Um, so, you know, some of these elements, you know, are like I was talking about lighting design, you know, to create the appropriate atmosphere for the performance, you know, there are lighting fixtures, color, gel, uh, effects, you know, to highlight, you know, actors, set pieces and create a desired mood. Also running the board, you, you get to do that eventually, you get to set everything up. And then watch somebody run the board and help them write the cues. There are cues. And then you get to run the board. Uh, set design, uh, responsible for creating physical environment. What you see on stage, you know, if it's Little Red Riding Hood, you're going to see a forest. And you're going to see, you know, uh, a house that a witch lives in. It probably looked like a gingerbread house. Sound design, same thing. You know, uh, auditory elements for a production, you know, um, placement of microphones, the effects, overall sound quality in the theater, uh, costume design, big, big, big. Um, you know, actors do wear costumes because they're actors, um, and musicians wear costumes. What you see them wearing on stage is not what they prance around in all day long. It may look like a torn pair of jeans and T-shirt, but that's a $9,000 outfit. <laughs> I'm, I'm exaggerating, but yeah. Uh, those are, and those ride with us in the equipment truck. They, we pack those away. There's someone that takes care of those, someone who washes them, makes sure they have the appropriate stickers on them, whatever. Uh, shoes are big. Oh my God, shoes are big. Um, and uh, some, some men, are such divas, you know, uh, it's crazy. Um, and then makeup and hair, obviously, 
Uh, not a lot of makeup outside of Kiss <laughs> in rock and roll. And then hair design. Um, a lot of people will have their hair cut a certain way, and then they'll have it styled right before the gig. Um, okay. Um, you know, in theater, you know, you have aging makeup, you know, you have period makeup, uh, and then there are props. There's a prop master. Uh, the ZZ Top uh, Wide World Tour had some props. A couple of those props were live bulls, um, longhorns, um, and goats. And that's some chickens, I believe. Uh, props, yeah. Uh, but typically, you know, a lot of props are created for um, these are small handheld items for actors to pick up. Um, and then some, some things can be larger. Um, you know, if you've ever seen, yes, you know, Roger Dean's designs, you know, were translated into props. Uh, brilliant. Um, then the technical crew, us guys, you know, uh, moving the equipment, you know, um, rigging curtains, you know, automated systems. Now rigging is the flying, what we call flying of the systems. Um, I never worked for Stage Rigging Incorporated, but Stage Rigging Incorporated did a lot of our stage rigging. So these are chain motors, uh, if you're familiar with those. Um, they're inverted, turned upside down, and uh, the chain is pulled up to the rafters um, with a rope because there are riggers up there. And they pulled the chain up, and that's a point, what's called a point, and uh put around a burlap bat well there's uh, then a metal uh cable and hook eye hooks and uh, a shackle uh industrial strength shackle and then the hook from the chain motor is put on this and uh typically you have four to six of these and then you pull the lighting rig up you know it goes you know, uh, a stage is typically 40 by 60. Um, you know, most lighting rigs are 40 by 40. You pull that up and then the sound, then the sound gear goes up after that, uh, rigged the same exact way. So that's what rigging is. Now in a theater, you know, where things don't go from venue to venue, you know, you have pulleys and dollies and you see the, um, uh, the soft curtains up and down and backdrops, uh, that type of rigging. Um, stage effects, you know, um, stage combat, puppetry, <laughs> you know, choreography, uh, visual uh, and appealing moments on stage, uh, you know, anything, you know, uh, it was um, it was huge to have uh, dry ice back in the day when I was touring and to let that roll off uh, the stage, you know, and somebody was, that was in the writer. A writer is a contract with the venue, the promoter, whoever's paying for the gig to be put on. Um, we need a hundred pounds of dry ice. We need 50 pounds here, 50 pounds there. Okay. And they buy that and we chop the stuff up. I, I did that a couple of times, uh, chop it up into, 10 or 15, you know, pound blocks. We do a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more. You know, we try to get it ankle deep to knee high deep, depending on the song and the lighting. Um, and it was very effective. Um, 
learned the hard way, don't have dry ice and a smoke machine going at the same time. I used so much once you couldn't see the band. <laughs> I couldn't. I had a headset on. I was trying to talk to my guy backstage, but he was feeding the the dragon, what we used to call the smoke machine, the dragon. I said, "Turn off the smoke machine." <laughs> anyway, um, people thought it was part of the show, and then uh, as they were enveloped in uh, this London fog. Uh, the song came to an end, and uh, I faded the lights out, and everybody thought it was cool. So, uh, but yeah, little little tip there. Um, you know, something that's critical is uh, you know, the concept and the vision. You know, set designers work closely with directors and other members of you know the production team uh, to uh, try to figure out you know what's going on. You know, what are we doing? Um, that's very, very important. Um, so, uh, yeah, I lost my, um, my notes here. Um, and then the concept and the vision, the research, uh, they typically build scale models in theater. Uh, there's the practical, uh, considerations, then the lighting and sound, uh, atmosphere and mood, props and furniture, budget, uh, collaboration, rehearsal, and all of that. Uh, when I was working for a bigger company in Dallas, Texas, they had a rehearsal, and acts would show up. Not only the acts I was working on, but the acts that the company was uh, involved in, and um, they would practice in our warehouse, and we'd get everything down. Also, since we were a 40, 40 by 40 grid, so we we had you know our grid hung and whatever lights their lighting designer wanted uh whatever rig and uh then they would set up their instruments back backstage we call that backstage the back line the front line and we would mark everything we would draw everything and this was all done by hand and then any lighting that was that had to be focused we would pre-focus and lock down and then those lights, those light bars were typically, um, it was either, I saw a couple guys do it with chalk where they would chalk it. And then, then when you, when you travel for light bar, you turn the lights. So they're vertical, they're facing down. I've seen some other people that had cases for the lights because ellipsoidal spots are very expensive. Uh, so that's how that was done. Uh, when you go see a gig, you go see a show, uh, there is a lot of work that um, you may not be aware of. Um, you know, um, again, there wasn't a lot of makeup. Uh, back to what I know, you know, theatrical lighting, you know, illumination, mood and atmosphere, transition and timing, very big, uh, color effects. Uh, special effects, you know, safety is huge. Now, when I started, there was OSHA, but nobody paid attention. When I quit, I didn't quit, I retired. Um, there was OSHA. Um, I, I only heard of one person losing his life, and he wasn't on our crew. He was on a rigging crew. Uh, terrible accident, uh, falling uh, from one of the highest 
uh, pick points I ever heard from fell and landed on his back. So that did not turn out well. And then you collaborate, you know, as a lighting designer with other members of the production team, directors, designers, uh, stage managers, sometimes the band itself, you know, Giddy Lee of Rush. They look like that because of Giddy Lee. And um, <clears throat> they sound like that because of Alex Lifeson and uh, Neil did everything else. <laughs> everything else. Uh, I'm being facetious. Um, but Giddy designs the shows when you saw R30, you saw Hold Your Fire, or, um, you know, uh, R40, the latest one, uh, where they went backwards in time on stage when this, they started out with their rig from 2015, went all the way back to the 70s. That was Getty's idea, and it was brilliant. I wish I would have thought of that. Um, and then the makeup, you know, more in uh, theater, you know, prosthetics. Uh, when I did the MASH thing there in high school, there was blood. Um, I learned how to make blood. Um, yeah, it's nasty. Um, and then uh, making sure that people, it takes a particular type of makeup. Uh, the uh, makeup that I used to carry at my lighting place, I had some, was uh, Ben Nye. Uh, and I was also a Roscoe dealer uh, for uh, Roscoe Gel. Uh, I was an L&E dealer for uh, theatrical instruments, Altman dealer for theatrical instruments, uh, Clearcom for um, uh, uh, communications, uh, BMI uh, for lamps. That's what we call the light bulbs and the lights. Um, I, I didn't carry any. Thing to do with costuming uh, I did the whole Roscoe line you name it they have it um, you see it you wouldn't know it's a Roscoe product but it is all these companies all based in New York uh, imagine that so you know they give out awards for um, uh, for all of this work you know the Tony Awards Drama Desk Awards you know uh Oliver Awards, uh, Dora Mavor Moore Awards, uh, more scenic design and costume lighting, uh, Helen Hayes Awards, Critics Circle, um, uh, Outer Critics Circle, <laughs> um, uh, L.A. Uh, Drama Critics, of course, there has to be one in L.A., uh, but the Tony Awards is the big one because that was lighting, scenic, and costume. Um, you know, best design, best lighting, uh, and plays and musicals. Every once in a while, somebody would get called out in the rock and roll world, uh, you know, honorable mention to so-and-so for his work with um, David Bowie or whatever. Um, you know, some rock and roll shows, they just have too much going on. Others don't have enough, and, you know, you be the judge. Have a good time. They play your song, and you rock. Then that's what it's all about. Um, so that's what I did for a long time. Uh, it was my life. It's the only thing I thought about. I watched a lot of sunsets, sunrises. 
Um, I was a younger man. I loved it. Um, it introduced me to some of the most interesting people I have ever met or would will ever meet. Um, musicians are different. Everybody knows that. Um, the, um, the theater is different. Um, I never went back to the theater that much. I used to do the Jerry Lewis telethon. I would, uh, a gratis, uh, me and my guys, uh, crew would go and we, you know, that's 24 hours. If you remember when Jerry Lewis did it and, uh, we would light the local set and, uh, they would give me a little, um, 30 minute, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, advertisement, uh, TV advertisement, and just throw up my logo and phone number and all of that. And uh, we got T-shirts and all of that. We got stickers to put on our cases. So, but we did, you know, I thought we were doing something good. Um, and it wasn't that hard. It was straight up television lighting. You know, I did a, a bunch of, you know, ENG, electronic news gathering lighting, I had in my rental stock, I think it was made by Colortran. Yeah, it was Colortran. That was a Colortran dealer. That's why. Um, a case that you could unpack, had a fill light, a spotlight, a backlight, um, and all uh, gelled up for a diffusion uh, for electronic news gathering. And sometimes the... Um, uh, the um, local television stations will come by and go, hey... You know, we got a, out here doing this, got out here, we we ran out of gear. I thought, here, this is, you know, $100 a day, you know, and I'm going to need a... And then some people had a running tab with me. Since they I sold them gel, uh, I sold them lamps, um, I would put it on their tab. And I, you know, you come to know people. Um, so one of the greatest things that I had... This was my business. When you walked in that front door, you were walking in my business. I miss that. <clears throat> so um, I do not regret uh, stage lighting products was the name of the business. And I do not regret having to shut it down. Um, I, at the time, the very light had come out. It's a robotic light. So this thing, you spotlight, right? Uh, it was robotic light. They're everywhere now. They moved, you know, 360, 180, uh, and then it had a prism in front of the beam of light. So you name a color, it could dial in. I had a couple of those, and it was my intention to buy them and to change out or to add that to my um, – to my uh, repertoire uh, earlier, before I got into that, um, the bicentennial had happened. I had formed another company because I had a bunch of people come to me, and I didn't have enough gear. Um, uh, the Texas bicentennial, and I formed another company called Concerts Incorporated, and I went to the government and got a small business loan, and I bought a bunch of stuff. And, um, SBA is, is the way to go. Um, and then I 
gotten into this automated lighting thing, what I should have done looking back at it is I should have held fast. And if I had a customer that wanted automated lighting or I thought they had the budget for it, I could have leased that, uh, subleased be a subcontractor, either have them come and do it and augment what I was doing with the traditional stage lighting. But I wanted it all. You know, when you're in your 30s, you want it all. And I was, I thought I was building, uh, I guess, an empire. I don't know. That's what I regret, as I did not do that differently. But I went for it. I tried. I grasped the golden ring for a while. Uh, it slipped through my hands, like many things have. Um, but I did it. And now I've been a senior IT guy for um, almost 32 years now. So I've had two great careers. Um, I do not have a college education, (laughs) contrary to some people's uh, belief. Um, Not everybody in IT is learned by the book. Some people are motivated. Some people are curious, and both those things drove me into these two careers. Uh, So here's to you, stage lighting products. Um, Good times, really, really good time. Uh, And everybody that worked with me and for me and all my clients, thank you. So everybody here on Dot Paul Podcast here in 2023, stuff about stuff. Uh, this has been Stagecraft with B. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. And remember, accelerate with confidence. Yeah.